2: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Bertaram and Mark Carmen. 204 days until NFL football returns. What's up, Matt Bertaram? Back from the Super Bowl. Congratulations to Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, Jalen Ramsey. And I guess mostly Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup on the
3: Los Angeles Rams winning Super Bowl Fifty Six. How are you, Verna Ram? I'm good. I'm good, and I'm I'm surprised, Carmen, You look like John Stewart. You got the you got the beard going a little bit. I uh I, I like. It. Usually you're so clean shaven. You're uh, you've come to the dark side.
1: I, I, I I'm turning over a new leaf. I uh, I don't know what happened last week, but. Uh, We were supposed to go to the Super Bowl, the fan sided video team. We didn't go to the Super Bowl. I think that I just uh, protested not going to the Super Bowl by growing out the beard. And now some people are liking the beard. Second time ever going beard. And uh, I'm sticking with it, at least for another week. I I don't know how people do this. It's itchy, it's annoying. But uh, I'm here. Yeah, you get over it. All right, Gonzo, what's up? I see you. George Ramirez, everybody jumping in here. Uh, uh, Thank you so much. Stack in the Box every week, 11 o'clock Central. Time fifty two weeks out of the year, Verem. What was the highlight for you being out there? Any anything stand out?
3: I mean, I think just being there. You know, it's the third time I've covered a Super Bowl, and and I don't ever take it for granted. But you know, I gotta say, this is kind of a weird answer. But and I think a lot of people would say the halftime show. Although I guess I'm somewhat of an old man, right? So to me, like it's fine. I don't I don't really care one way or the other. It was cool to see all those those guys in one spot. That was neat. Um, but. I was shocked at the amount of Bengals fans at the game. Like, shocked. It had to be 70-30 um, in L.A. And, look, when you think of the Bengals and you think of their fan base, and, and rightfully so to their fans, like they haven't gone to those games for a long time. Not not the way you know most fan bases do, right? Like, you'll see empty seats in Cincinnati. It was packed at SoFi. With orange, I was I was really impressed. And I found myself, you know, I had no rooting interest, but I found myself kind of like, you know, man, it would be cool for those people to get one. And uh, almost had it, not to be.
1: I was pulling for the Bengals. Uh, Eli Apple, shockingly joining the chat right now. Uh, Eli, very 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 good to see you. He had a little bit of a rough day there. Uh, I don't know if I'm a Bengals fan. I, I am. I'm still thinking about how in the world did the game end the way it ended. Is that really the best play call we had on third and one and fourth and one? Um, it's hard to point a finger at Joe Burrow, but he had multiple uh, wide receiver slash tight ends open on on the fourth down play, but he had no time. So I guess There's credit no to Aaron Donald. Um, that sucked the way it ended. I mean, I, I was I was gearing up for overtime. Let's let's go here.
3: Yeah, when they got the midfield right away, you kind of felt like are they going to just flat out win it? You know, are they at least going to get a, a field goal with McPherson? Um listen, that game came down in the end to I think what everybody talked about all week was they couldn't block the Rams. And it was funny, I was making notes throughout the game for my sack in the box column. And the first half of the game, like one of my my main notes was the Rams are not getting to Burrow. They've only hit him three times. They only have one sack. And you're sitting there thinking, if they don't get to Burrow at some point, that's bad news. Like he is going to find a way to beat them. They sacked him. Five times in the third quarter and seven overall. And that, I think, ultimately, among a lot of reasons, was the main reason the Rams won.
1: And this is why you get paid the big bucks here, Vertoran, because I don't have a great understanding of what happened, but clearly something happened that the Bengals didn't make an adjustment and the Rams uh, did, that all of a sudden Burrow went from. Having a pretty comfortable time back there too. He has no time whatsoever, and this game is you does not look like it's going to end up in Cincinnati's hands. It, the longer it goes, the worse the Bengals are going to be off.
3: Yeah, they they blitzed a little bit more in the second half. They also just they did things that created uh, situations where Cincinnati blocked Donald one on one, and that that essentially ended the the game as far as up front anyway. But you know, look. The one thing I, I will hear none of because it's it's just it's bullshit is this idea that like somehow the Rams won the game because of the officiating at the end. No, like, no,
1: no. I didn't like stop. the officiating, but I, it's not right.
3: I mean, just stop, just stop. Like, look, Logan Wilson, the holding call on him was was awful, but the play before it, the Bengals basically tackled the running back coming out of the backfield and didn't get called. Okay, they're not even in that spot if T. Higgins with the seventy-five yarder. I mean, he just grabbed his face mask and turned his head around. No call, right? Right, right. So, look, the better team won the game. And, you know, it was funny. I was sitting with Patrick Allen, who, of course, was our boss. He was at the game with me. And I I at one point said to him, like, if the Bengals win this game, this is one of the great thefts of all time. This Like, I don't know how the Bengals are even here, let alone winning with two minutes to go. Like, they're good. They're a good football team. We're going to get them a little bit more in a minute. But I, I just was shocked watching the game. I'm like, look, the Bengals are a quality team, and Burrow's really good. But, man, you watch the game. You watch the playoffs. Like, the Bengals can't protect him at all. You know, they, offensively, they, they were not good in, in any of the four games in the playoffs. Maybe you want to say the wild card game, but they were not good offensively for the most part in these games. And yet they found ways, and that's, you know, in a way it's a credit to them. Like they found a way, um, but ultimately the Rams and Stafford, who I thought for the first three and a half quarters was really, you know, not bad but so-so. The throw he made to Cup, the twenty-two yarder down the seam, but no look really is defining throw. It's one of the great throws in NFL history.
1: Yeah, they. I guess they're all at Disney World, and so Donald and Cup and Stafford are watching it on their phones, and they're, like, dissecting the play. I don't know if you've seen that clip, but it's, uh, it was making its way around Twitter today. It was just cool. It's like, yeah, how many times have you gone no look? Yeah, I don't know. I've done it before. Dude, n- this ain't like, you know, three-on-one, hoops, break, no right. look. You know where the dude is at. This is 20 yards down the field. I mean, just I, – I don't recall – uh, seeing many quarterbacks do that—that that was that was truly incredible. Uh, to your point about the Bengals too, I mean their run defense was phenomenal. And yes, and it was. and I'm you're, I'm sitting there like Sean McVay, hello, what's going on here? This is not going to work. I didn't think uh, you know his play calling certainly stood out at all. Um, but to your other point about the better team won. I think that's pretty obvious. If Odell doesn't get hurt,
3: that game's a different game.
1: It's a different game. They they it's, had,
3: a, it's a much bigger uh, spread at the end of that game. I think. I
1: mean, I mean, they. I I was my biggest disappointment because when he got hurt, I'm like, all right, my Northwestern Wildcat Bennett Skoranek, is going to get a shot to shine here, and he was straight awful. The, the moment was too big for my Wildcat, who, by the way, left Northwestern and went to Notre Dame uh, for his last year, which, which hurt my heart. But they, it was Cooper Cup, and that was it. So, I mean, if, I don't know what Odell's going to do here with the torn ACL. That sucks, but he was – what a huge would, impact he had on that team.
3: I would think he's going back there on a one-year deal. I mean, that makes the most sense. Um, look, you bring up McVeigh, and I think it's a good place to go with this. He's going to get a lot of love because they won this game. He was awful in that game. He really was. Like, they, they got bailed out by the fact that the Bengals couldn't block anybody. Raheem Morris made some big adjustments in the second half of the game. And the Rams just had a lot more talent and were, were able to just find a way to win. Because that, that game was not any kind of a master class by Sean McVay. That game was – I made a note, and I wrote some of it in my column. They had 26 plays on first down in the game. They only converted it into a first down, like a 10 yards or more, twice on 26 plays. In the first half, and I'm doing this off memory, They, tw- I think it was 12 first downs, and they ran the ball on eight of them. And two of those first down calls were in the last like minute and a half, and they had to throw. They were unbelievably predictable. There was at one point for a huge chunk of the game where every single first down, they ran the ball, and then they went tempo on second down. They did it, and then they threw on second down. They did it like four or five times in a row. It was a very bizarre way to coach. And they got bailed out by the fact that Stafford made a couple great plays late, Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup, and the Bengals couldn't block the, the front. McVeigh is a good coach. He is not a great coach. They're away, and, and by the way, he did the same thing in the NFC title game. Where they, they couldn't run, they kept trying to run. They blew their timeouts. He was challenging weird things. Like, look, I like Sean McVay. He's personable. Um, he and he is a good coach. But Sean McVay, this idea that like he's like 30 years younger than Belichick and the next version of him, I I just, I just do not see that. That he's good. He's more like Andy Reid than he is like Belichick.
1: So I think it's interesting too when you think about McVay and the fact that he's 36 years old and we've talked about this And Zach Taylor was 38 and the NFL is going younger uh, with their head coaches. Right. Great. But like, just kind of let it set in 36 Tom Brady is 44. Like he's, I mean, it's just, it's insane that he's in this position. It's, it's, I don't, I, I don't, I just like the kid, the concept that, you're coaching dudes who are older than you. And uh I mean, there's it's uh he he'll get better as time goes on. He was not elite in the Super Bowl, he wasn't elite in the playoff run. The Rams had a ton of talent. You know, the Rams got banged on in the middle of the year. Oh, what are you going to get Von Miller for? Von Miller found the fountain of youth or found the fountain of health, turned his season around. Yeah. I mean, and and had a huge impact on that team. Now I don't and I also don't get. Aaron Donald's thinking about retiring? Why? You were the you were the best player on the field. Uh, he should have been the MVP. I mean, the Rams, right? All day. The Rams won that game because of their defense. I mean, come on. It's
3: hard. It's hard. To sh- I mean, on one hand, I totally agree with you. Um, on the other hand, he's got his health, and he's done everything you can do. Everything. Guys with three-time defense player of the year, been all pro, I think, every year, but one of his careers, a Pro Bowl, literally every year, won a Super Bowl, been to two of them. Like, I think the only argument with Darren Donald now is, is he the greatest defensive tackle of all time? And I mean, you know me, Carl. I love history, so I don't I don't say that lightly, but like, he's in that class, man. He's in there with like Joe Green and Warren Sapp and Bob Willie and Merlin Olsen and John Randall. Like, he's the biggest- in that group.
1: The biggest thing that will ever stand out for me about Aaron Donald, and I, I've talked about this, but I you know, I, I do the Bears post-game show in Chicago on WGN Radio with Dan Hampton. Dan Hampton is a monster. I mean, he's huge. His he's chest is huge. Another great all-time yeah. defense. Guy. Exactly. I mean, he's when you see him, it's like, that dude is large, and I wouldn't want to mess with him. When you walk up on Aaron Donald, he's not that big of a dude. He looks normal. And it's like, how in the world... Do you do what you do at the level that you do well, it? Yeah. He's
3: 280 pounds and he has like no body fat whatsoever. Right. And by the way, if you look at his career, so he's been in the league eight years. Eight time Pro Bowl, seven time, not just an all pro, seven time first team all pro. So it's not like he's just getting in there. Okay. As a, as an interior pass rusher. 9 sacks, 11 sacks, 8 sacks, 11 sacks, 20 and a half sacks, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 12 and a half. I mean, and the guy has missed two games his entire career. Well, the, the,
1: I, the right, the, it, the, the, listen, it, the tackle on the ta- the tackle on third and one, uh, I don't you know, I don't single out one play is not uh fair to who he is, but that play was ridiculous. You're getting blocked You're falling down, and you have the strength with one arm to stop a 240 pound running back, whatever you know, whatever the weight is there. That was incredible. I mean, just an amazing athleticism, comma, strength, comma, however you want to, uh, what intelligence, all of it.
3: Now, look, I mean, we can move on, but like, I'm looking like Bob Lilly, who a lot of people feel is the greatest D tackle ever, 11 Pro Bowls. Seven time first team all pro. He had 95 and a half sacks. He played 14 seasons. Okay. Now, now, now those are unofficial too, because, you know, sacks weren't a stat, a stat until 1982 and, and Lily retired well before that. Um, but just kind of a point of reference like he's right there. You go, then you go to like Joe Green, who I think a lot of people would say he's the best ever. Joe Green had 77 and a half sacks. He only in one year we had more than 10 sacks. Um, four-time first-team All-Pro, okay, 10 Pro Bowls. And lastly, because we had him on here once, and I loved having him on, it was one of the, one of my all-time favorite guests that we've had. It's John Randall, who I think it's like kind of yeah. criminally underrated. Um, So John Randall in his career, seven-time Pro Bowl, six-time first-team All-Pro, 137 and a half sacks. Like, John Randall, th- that's impossible. To be that, and it wasn't like he had like a bunch of guys around him either who were unbelievable his entire career, right? Like he had Chris Dolman a few years, or whatever. But like he, I mean, that guy gets lost to time. But no, listen, Donald, if he retired tomorrow, he'd have a real case as the best defensive tackle. Ever. Really, for way. me,
1: for me, it's just very hard to really single out uh, an individual defensive tackles Im- uh, impact when you know who you're playing with and who's around you has a huge huge uh, benefit and or detriment to to what you're doing. Um, so but you're making good points like like Randall's doing it with not a lot of help and by the way John Randall is one of the most intimidating looking dudes of all time. The the whatever how the the Randall face paint that thing I mean that I, I love John Randall. We should get him back on uh we should.
3: John Randall is amazing.
1: Yeah. Okay but since you're since you're looking at all time let, let's let's jump to Matthew Stafford here and and the conversation about whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame or not, which is just moving around every which way. Uh, You want to take this at the start here, or would you like to hear my argument on Stafford?
3: Let's hear your argument.
1: Okay. Uh, Listen, I I like Matthew Stafford. I believed in Matthew Stafford. I am not surprised that Matthew Stafford uh, had a very successful year and and won a Super Bowl. But – I mean, where does Matthew Stafford rank in NFL quarterbacks right now? It, it, he's, he, I, I, don't, I don't think he's in the top five, okay? Um, and then let's look at guys who are not in the Hall of Fame and compare them to Matthew Stafford. Uh, and I pulled up a list from uh, NFL.com, CBS Sports, uh, and combined them up here. Cliff Branch Verderam. They write the greatest deep threat of his era. Matthew Stafford's not the greatest anything of his era. Okay. Like he's just not
3: finally got in this year. It took him forever.
1: Right. Okay. Now let's go. Let's, let's keep going down the list here. Reggie Wayne, six time pro bowler. Wayne led the NFL in receiving yards in 2007. Matthew Stafford has made one pro bowl. He's never led the NFL in anything other than interceptions. I mean, and he's, I just think we have to be very, very cognizant of the era that, that these quarterbacks are playing in yeah. or else all of them should be in. And I'm sorry, they're not Hall of Fame quarter. Very good, great quarterback. Hall of Famer, not to me. Sorry.
3: No, I'm 100% with you. And if I, if I hear one more person, one more person says to me, well, you know, his yardage totals, I don't give a shit. I don't care. And I can tell you right now, I know some Hall of Fame voters. I'm friends with a few of them. They don't care how many yards he's thrown for. They don't care. So if your argument's based off of how many touchdowns he's thrown for and how many yards he's thrown for, nobody cares. Nobody. The eras are so different. They care about all pro teams, they care about Super Bowls, which big, big, big win on Sunday. Okay. They care about MVPs. They care to a lesser degree than All-Pro, but about Pro Bowl. Matthew Stafford has made one Pro Bowl in his career. And I'm not going to say the person's name because I don't want to be like I'm I'm slandering them. But there was someone on Fox Sports Radio who either today or yesterday went on and was like, well, how is Stafford supposed to be an All-Pro in this day and age when he's going with Rodgers and Brady and Breeze and Mahomes? It's like, yeah, man, that's the point. Because those guys are Hall of Famers. Those guys are Hall of Famers. Brady's the greatest quarterback ever, okay? Rodgers, whatever you want about the guy off the field, first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Like, Mahomes, a few more years to go, but I think we can all agree, like, a first ballot Hall of Famer at the Brady's going. Like, no one would argue that. Josh Allen made second-team All-Pro. Lamar Jackson, first-team All-Pro, MVP. I think Matthew Stafford's a really good quarterback. And it was not Richard Sherman, uh, as Gonzo asked me. No, although Gon- uh, Gonzo Richard Sherman did come out and say there's no way he's a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. He, look, we're such prisoners in the moment with this stuff. He, he won a Super Bowl, and all of a sudden now he's in. What if Tyler Boyd doesn't drop that third and nine pass, right? Like, then what? Then, like, if Stafford plays the exact same way, but he loses, or Burrow comes down at the end and they win, then what? Stafford's trash, and he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer? Like, I hate that argument. Matt Ryan has a better case to go to the Hall of Fame than Matthew Stafford does, even though Ryan lost that game because his defense blew a ridiculous lead. Like I, I Torrey, just can't stand Tor- those Tor- arguments. It's dumb. Torrey Holt
1: is a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a member of the NFL's All Two Thousands team. Uh, I mean, right.
3: I mean, I, look, if Stafford and 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 George Ramirez in the chat brings up a good point, right? If, if he takes the Rams to one or two more Super Bowls, yeah, look. They win another Super Bowl and him. He gets to two. That to me, you're almost guaranteed to be in if you're a quarterback. You no, to, right. He, he, he
1: can still get there. There's right, no. But he's not di-
3: right now. That's the yeah. argument. And,
1: and look, to Matthew Stafford's credit, he spent what, 12 years in, in Detroit? In yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he didn't, he didn't complain. He, uh, he brought the lions back. Uh, he had a a ton. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he had a ton of game winning drives. He had one particular play. If you go back through the, you know, he gets he gets absolutely crunched. He's on the sidelines. You probably remember clear. this, ver- yeah, his 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 shoulders falling up. I can go in and throw a pass. He didn't go in and just throw a pass. He threw a bullet in the end zone. I mean, the guy, the guy, he, the guy has winning genes.
3: He's a very very good player. But is he a Hall of Famer? That's the argument right now. And right now, no, he's not right now. Maybe he will be. Maybe he will be. But he's not right now. And I saw the question, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? And I'm sure it gets brought up because he's won two, right? For me, no, there's not a chance in hell that he's going to get in because of his last name and because he won in New York. Now, I don't think that's right. But there is also something in in the Hall of Fame to politicking and lobbying. I can tell you right now that, that there's a lot of that. And Manning's going to have a ton of firepower behind them. You're going to have the New York media behind them. You're going to have the Maras behind them. You're going to have the Manning family behind him. He's, he's going to get the whole thing. Okay.
1: Eli's, Eli's also a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. Right. Uh, so let, let's, let's, throw, let's, let's, not, let's not forget about that. He's also no, a two-time he, he Super Bowl.
3: He was not a great player.
1: No, he wasn't. I, listen, I, I, I wouldn't. He was I
3: unbelievable would... in big moments. I'll give the guy that. Like
1: – He's a two time Super Bowl MVP. I listen, I wouldn't vote for Eli if it was if it was me. But, I, I, but right, of course. And he beat but Brady like,
3: and he beat him in an undefeated season. Like that's that's the other part of that. He beat him twice in the Super Bowl. Right. But look, these are nuanced conversations. One of these days, really, we should have a, a pod, like just a show where we just do this for like an hour. We just go through guys who have like Hall of Fame cases because it's really fascinating. We don't have the time to do it today. But my case and Karm's and case is not. Look, Stafford today is not a Hall of Famer. And by the way, I feel very confident in saying, I know, like I said, a handful of Hall of Fame voters. I bet you, and maybe I'll do this for my column next week, I'll poll them. I guarantee you none of them say he's a Hall of Fame. All
1: right, we'll move on. Uh, I like that idea. Let's let's have a little Hall of Fame conversation. we got a whole offseason ahead of us. Do we think, speaking of his Hall of Fame candidacy, do you think he's going to be back there next year, or the Rams will be back there, and we're going back to back?
3: No, I don't. I, I think this was a, a year where everything kind of fell together for them. And that's fine. That's what they that's what they went for. They went all in and they won the ring and give them all the credit in the world for that. But I think that's, you know, one of the reasons we talked about kind of like the Super Bowl feels like it doesn't have as much juice as other years. Like, does anyone really think those are the two best teams in football? Yeah, no. No, right? Like no. even no. watching the game, I was like, this is game, this game's fine. But like these teams, like the Packers, I feel like would have beat either of these teams by like two touchdowns. I feel like Buffalo should have. I feel like Kansas City should have. Although, look, Kansas City, whatever they had their shot against Cincinnati, they lost on twice. Um, but I don't think anybody. I feel like the Bucks were better. Like I just, you watch that game and you're like, how are these teams here? Like how is this? But listen, they won. That's all that counts. The Rams won. They did it. But no, I. The only yeah. caveat I'll have for this, the only caveat, if Rogers gets straight to the AFC, who the hell's stopping them?
1: Oh, I listen. I, 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 brutal.
3: If Rodgers gets dealt, man,
1: I mean, I wouldn't bet against the Rams next year. I think they're, 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 they're amongst a bunch of teams in the NFC that are a coin flip to get there right now. It's a long NFL offseason, then it's a long season of getting, staying healthy and, and whatnot. Uh, I really do hope that, uh, Odell is able to get back and get healthy. You know what was yeah. weird to me, Verteram, and, and I don't, I'm to, you know, I, I'm, I'm pro emotion. A new model of manhood here. Put wear your heart in your sleeve. That's that 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 shows strength, not weakness. All that.
3: Yeah. Okay. It's fine. That's fine. That's
1: yeah. That's well. That. That, that that that's where I'm at. But but I there was so much emotion on the field after the game that I mean, Von Miller's you know sitting there crying, and Aaron Donald's crying, and everyone. I I I I I'm a little confused by it. Does that, does that ever write a story? You're like, aren't you guys just happy walking around? Like, I don't, the, the, the tears that get, I don't, I don't quite, I don't, I don't quite understand the, the emotions. I like to, I like to get somebody on, try to explain to me what goes on in your body when you win like that. I understand you put everything into it and yada, yada, yada It's, 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 a, uh, you know, a huge journey and you got there. I, I, I guess that's pr- basically it, but I, i am always just kind of amazed at the, how it like instantly flows right out of these dudes.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I it's know just it's like, a weird, I know it's a weird term. I think, it's, I mean, I was gonna say, I don't know what you want me to say to that. I yeah, just,
1: I, 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 but you, have you ever had that thought? Like, why are they all crying out there? What's I just like, think
3: it's such. A, it's like you work your whole life for that, and then it happens. It's probably just overwhelming. But I mean, um, I mean, uh, you know, guys, guys just yeah start crying now. I don't know. I, uh, it's, okay. it's different – all right, I feel like man. if you look 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 back at NFL films, like if you saw like Joe Green just like sobbing on the sideline, big, what? Um, but is that true? Was, mean
1: Joe Gre- Mean Joe Green was sobbing?
3: No, I'm saying if you saw that, you'd be like blown away by it, right? Like right. Okay. Lawrence Taylor just like crying his eyes up. I mean,
1: I mean. I- I, I know when the Bears wanted it in, in, their, in Super Bowl 20 that they were turning to the crowd and getting beers from the crowd being passed down to them on the sidelines. That's what was going on in New Orleans. Yeah, everybody,
3: so, hell, everybody's different, man. It's uh, But yeah, no, it, it definitely is true. It's, it's a lot more um, prevalent now, I think, than it would have been back yeah.
1: then. Uh, we we cover the Rams being a one-hit wonder. Do we think the Bengals are, are uh, anywhere close to sniffing a Super Bowl next year?
3: I think they could if they have a great offseason. They need to rebuild that offensive line completely, and they're going to have to add. But that team, they kind of had one of those like magic carpet ride type things, which was kind of my takeaway from the game from a Bengals perspective, which is look, the worst part of the game, of course, is just you lost the game. I think the second part is you feel like that might have been their shot. You know, and that's a weird thing to say about a team that has so much young talent on it, especially a quarterback and Jamar Chase. It's just that that conference is so brutal. It's the same reason I thought the Chiefs lost in the AFC title game was a brutal loss. Like you don't know when you're going to get back, man. That conference, like they were, they were lucky to beat Buffalo. They really were. And now it's like you got to you got to start all over again, and it's hard. Like that, like the NFC is such a joke right now. It really is. Like, if you're even halfway decent, you should be in the divisional round. The AFC, like, let's just say Rogers stays with the Packers. Okay. Let's just say he doesn't come to the conference. Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Lamar. One of those guys is not even in the divisional round. Like right. That's bonkers. That doesn't even include if Trevor Lawrence gets straightened out. Right. And, and even quality guys like a Derek Carr. He's not a great quarterback, he's a good quarterback. Like if Derek Carr was in the NFC right now, he's probably fourth or fifth best quarterback in the conference.
1: No question. No
3: question. In the AFC, it's like if you have Derek Carr, you're screwed. Like you don't have a chance. You have no chance. Like you're not lucky even get the playoffs. You know, same thing with Baker, same thing with you know, it's it's just you know, like plus, Mac Jones was a cute story. You have no shot in the A.C. And that's why I think if you're the Bengals, look, they have a lot of cap space and they have Burrow. But the dirty secret of these playoffs, Burrow was not good in the playoffs. He really was, like If you really look at it, he was fine, but he, wasn't, he was not above average. In fact, most of the analytics that break him down say he was really below average. They They were not good offensively throughout the playoffs. Their defense was very good. That's what kept them alive. They have to, now. Now, to be fair to Burrow, I think a lot of that's his offensive line It's a train wreck. Okay, so that brings me full circle on my point. They have to fix that line. They are going to have to spend a fortune on that offensive line. And the one thing with the Bengals in the past, they do not spend a lot of money in free agency. They've been better the last couple of years. Will they finally open up the wallet in a major way, like spending $150, $200 dollars this offseason? Will they do that? If they do. Yeah, they could get back to the Super Bowl. If they don't and they sit there and that line brings back 60% of those guys, forget it. No chance.
2: Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. (coughs) <coughs> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone nice work you'd love snapshot from progressive because it rewards safe drivers progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates snapshot not available in california and north carolina or from all agents
1: let's bring in our guy ben heisler managing editor bet dot fansided.com forward slash bet did you make money on the super bowl ben Ben is on we, mute.
3: Muted. So, what well, way to way to get cranking here as we uh, start the offseason?
2: Yeah. There you go, buddy. Yeah. Good job. Good job by your guy. Uh, I, the Super Bowl really shut me up. No, I I kind of broke even. <laughs> uh, got in live with the Rams at plus three and a half when the Bengals took that lead. Uh, so that helped. Uh, a Couple props went well. Few others not so much. Uh, I was glad that ultimately I decided to stay away from Rams minus four. Because uh, that did not come through at all, and I will say it would have been a much more profitable night for your boy had Aaron Donald won MVP. Got him at thirteen to one. Uh, was feeling very good for a while about my T. Higgins at fifty to one yeah. uh, after he scored two touchdowns. That was uh that was an exciting moment for you know about a quarter or so. But no, once once Cooper Cup dominated down that final fourth quarter. Kind of knew it was going to be him, even if Donald came through on the final drive.
1: Carms contrarian suggestions, by the way, split. I had Bengals and the over. So we went Bengals and the under, as far as your gambling world is concerned. Uh, Vertram, you're a very conservative guy. I'm assuming you did not make any plays on the Super Bowl because you're professional and you cover the league?
3: Uh, that's correct.
1: Okay, yes. There you, see, there you go. What a, what a...
3: well, I'll tell you one thing. I How did not you... make any bets. Okay. Uh, I feel like that's just not my my space covering the game. But um, I do enjoy the game, which side of it, I think it's fascinating. But, you know, professionalism's really gone out the window. We were in the press box, we were in the auxiliary press box, right, because there's so much overflow for the game. There was a dude in a Rams jersey just (laughs) hearing his to the point where two reporters were like, sit the fuck down. And he wouldn't sit down. Like dudes in a Rams jersey, Aaron Donald jersey, just cheering his ass off in the press box. And uh, you there know, were a few people like that. And I was like, who the hell is the NFL credentialing for these things? Like, I was, I was so cognizant of that when Kansas City was in the game and I was at the Super Bowl. Like, not show any emotion and take pride in that. Like this dude, not not like a little bit, not like one like a fist pump or something. Hey, fair enough. Dude is out of his seat, dancing in the aisle. Like, not even when they won. Like, just during the game. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Like, I really hope the NFL yanks his credential, because to me, like, you're going to start credentialing all those, like, then forget it. Then you might as well just, just credential a whole damn section. And Nin- not-
1: 1998, just starting out of the business, covering – uh Cubs baseball, I guess, ostensibly for for the sports ticker. You 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 sat in the last row of the press com, the press box on a phone, and you talked to someone. You told him ball or strike or base hit or whatnot. Uh, ninth inning, I believe, Cubs down one. Brant Brown, it's a two run homer to right. And I, I leap out of my seat in the last row and, like, quickly, quickly sit back down. Uh, but I was – you know, it's in the moment, man. Your guy did a little bit different. He wore the Rams outfits. But, like, you know, media are people, too. we in all-
3: jersey. I can't believe they even let him in there.
2: Yeah, well –
3: Maybe
2: it was one of those situ- – it might have been one of those situations where, you know how, like, you have people coming through – and it's not necessarily a credentialed media member, they just happen to be in the press no, no, box.
3: No. No, he had a credential, man.
1: Yeah, but that credential could have been passed off by somebody. Media people do these things. I've, I it won't is, tell anybody.
3: Nuts. I was like, this is like, I don't want to be like an old man here.
1: <laughs> no, you're but... already there. You're,
3: you're, already... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Verderam has a point. Come like, on, man. I, so... oh, come on, oh, no, Carm, come on. You're, you're professional or you're not. Right. I mean, yeah, you're not. But like, they credential everyone for the Super Bowl. Have you been to Super Bowl
2: media on the week game. for the week? Yes, for the week, 100. Yeah. Like, if you want to show up in a Rams jersey on like Super Bowl media day, then yeah, go. You you can go ahead and bring the full on Ram hat, right. and you can put beers in between where the yeah. actual Rams are supposed to be. Like for media day, that's fine. For covering the actual game, like even if you're if, even if you're like a, a fan you still have to show up and and be somewhat... Approach like wearing the jersey while covering the game that's not a reflection of professionalism i, I agree with verder yeah, yeah no
1: i listen I, I i i at the end of the day here by the way i'm i'm with matt but i am pushing back on and any of like the the serious media guys in there who take it out like they're like they're like they're doctors or something you're, you're covering the league and you're all you're all rooting y'all have rooting interest let's not let's not be hypocritical okay, here.
3: Listen, i've never hid the fact i'm chief i have no problem with you having a rooting. but when when you're starting to have- when you're when you're wearing a jersey in the press box <laughs> that's i mean come on now like yeah no, it's, you
1: know but we, it's but it's honest
3: we can, <laughs> and, oh we can we can move on we don't have to see her in this room but you know like, and i by the way for a bow on this i agree like, during the week everybody in their mother's credential that's totally fine right yeah. but for the game i'm guessing they probably credential about 200, 250 people and that's national like that's global there were plenty of people in the press box were you speak speaking english like you like, are people from like Germany. people from It's, you know, it's fairly challenging to get credential for the game. And yet, and yet you're sitting there and it's just, it's just absolute chaos. Like a row in front of us, this guy's just going berserk. It was, it was, it was weird, man. I just did not, I've never seen anything like that in a, in a press situation.
2: Really quickly, my, my, my first time getting a sense of finding out the, the level of being a fan when you're in a press box my first day, I was uh, I was Bruce Levine, longtime baseball reporter in Chicago. We've been doing this for almost, almost 40 years. I was his intern the summer of 20, 20, either 2007, 2008, and I'm a Cub fan, but I'm covering both teams for this job. I'm trying to do it as objectively as possible, but you meet other media members along the way. Some of them are going to be willing to help you out. Others could give a shit about you. I found out one media member was, you know, interested, kind of wanting to learn a little bit more about me. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised. He said, You you a Cub fan or a Sox fan? I go, Yeah, I grew up a Cub fan. He goes, Oh, interesting. So Ozzie Gein is the manager of the White Sox. Very loud, rambunctious, fun personality, you know, very protective of the White Sox. And I introduced myself after his press conference in the dugout. And this reporter who had asked me if I was a Cubs or a White Sox fan. Goes up to Ozzy, says, hey, Ozzy, you know this guy? Big Cub fan right here. <laughs> first day covering the White Sox, and Ozzy just clowns me in front of everybody. That's... So you, you learn a valuable lesson along the way. You got to be careful with the things that you say to, to members of the media. Uh, times.
3: By the way, one of the best media stories I have, is that story, first of all, is hilarious and reminds me a little bit of this. I was in the, I was in the press box at Soldier Field for the double joint game. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I was next to – I believe I was next to Larry Fitzgerald's dad, I think, if memory serves me right, or maybe he was right in front of me. It was – um, regardless, it's – I'm sitting there, and right in front of me, right in front of me is a, a horde of guys from WGN and, like, all the local affiliates. <laughs> so Cody Parkey double-doinks this field goal. And as it's hitting the crossbar, like everybody—it's—it's it's been silent the entire game. Nobody's saying anything. It's—it's it's like the old—it's like the personification of professionalism. He—he he double doinks this kick, and like eight guys in unison in front of me are like, "Son of a bitch!" Like, <laughs> totally lose control. <laughs> really great, mom. Like everybody just lost it. And if you've ever been in the press box in Soldier Field, there's like an intercom system. And whoever the hell's on the system is like, everybody, please settle down, settle down. <laughs>
1: and, and people are Brody just going, "Parky's like, kick, double oh, dunk."
3: Oh, it was and we're we're like in the elevator going, down, "There's a timeout." We're going to the locker Love room, the and field. all these guys are just cursing out like Parky and how much they hate this team. Oh, it was, it was just so funny because 59 That's minutes great. of total silence, or really like three hours of total silence, and then that kick happens, and everybody just just could not control it who's a bears fan in that in that box. So it does happen.
1: Covered but, uh, man, many a bear game in that box and a lot of times uh, early sunday mornings young carm perhaps late night felt it was such a nice place to take a nap. Uh, all right, let's 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 move along to us let's make some money here, uh, ram uh, slash ben managing editor sided Bills and Chiefs Co favorites to win it next year. Heisler, should we make? Should we get some early money going on here? Should people be logging into WinBet and placing a a little? I'm bored. It's February the fifteenth. It's two hundred and four days till NFL football wagers right now.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'm necessarily banking it on either Buffalo or Kansas City. I I think relative to where the odds opened at WinBet at the start of this season, it's better value. The Chiefs opened up at plus four fifty to start off this year. So now you're saying, all right. If you feel like they're still, you know, as good of a team as they were this year, and certainly think there's an argument that can say that they're going to be in a better position this year than what we saw from them last year, then yeah, I, I think it's decent value. But I mean, the Chiefs at one point were fifty to one to win the Super Bowl this year amidst their struggles, and the AFC is going to get incredibly difficult given the young quarterbacks and teams that are, are likely to bounce back. Like look at a team like like Baltimore that I think we need to give real consideration for is a bounce back team. Um, you're going to have Buffalo and new England in the AFC East. We'll see what happens with, uh, with Mike McDaniel running the show in Miami. That was a team that was a, a sneaky dark horse pick to, to make the playoffs and make some noise. Um, AFC West going to be very competitive, especially if that's the division that gets Aaron Rodgers. Um, the chargers are going to be involved in the mix as well. Um, so you're talking about two co-favorites out of the AFC that yes, Relative to where they were a season ago to start off the year, the the odds seem more favorable. But the the way that I'm planning on on doing it is, is maybe jumping on some bigger value teams, and we can get into those in a little bit. But I just think you're going to see these two types of teams, along with everybody in the, in the AFC, beat each other up. And I think if you like Buffalo or Kansas City, um, you're going to get a better opportunity at. Longer odds to be able to jump on them some point during the season, so I'm, I'm not jumping on either of the two co-favorites right so now. So
3: Ben, lay it out for uh, for the listeners. So the, the Bills and the Chiefs. What are the odds right now for them?
2: They are seven to one to win the Super Bowl okay. next year. Both right at the top. So
3: for those listening, who I'm, I'm sure most of you know, the you know seven to one. So if you if you lay down ten bucks, you win seventy. Essentially, correct. Yeah. yeah, you profit seventy. What is what's the next best line for an AFC team?
2: Uh, you have the Bengals, uh, who we just talked about, at 12 to 1. Uh, this will surprise some people considering they were dead last in the AFC West last year. The, after, let, actually, let me, let me, let me, I, I guess I kind of just gave it away. Um, the Denver Broncos are 15 to 1.
0: Vegas Clause, they, have a
2: fourth, they have the fourth best odds of all AFC teams to win the Super Bowl and are tied for the third best odds overall with Buffalo and Kansas City at 7 to 1, Bengals, Rams and 49ers at 12 to 1, then it's the Broncos at 15 to 1, which means that the betting market is already assuming that they're going to be getting a quarterback of substantial value for that team in that roster next season. Where where are um, where are the Cowboys? Glad you asked. They're right behind them, tied with Tennessee at 18. If you I'd like to
3: let the That's public know, team- if you'd like to set some money on fire, just go right ahead because they have no head coach and they're about to lose a bunch of guys in free agency. Um, and yet they're that high because Vegas knows that there's a million Cowboys fans who are willing to throw money down. I, I honestly think, though, if you're going to bet on this, like if you're going to do your old future bet, right, you got, ah, I'm going to throw down 100 bucks, whatever. I agree with you, Ben. Like, I would not bet on Kansas City or Buffalo, not because I don't think they're the two best teams in the league. I do think they're the two best teams in the league. But that conference is murder. Like, they're just going to kill each other. And only one of them, obviously, can get out of there, right? This year, if, like, I swear to God, we'll look back and remember that Bills Chiefs game more than the Super Bowl itself. Like, that game was insane. That was the best football game I've ever seen. And so, I think it's kind of like – it's kind of like in the 90s when Dallas and San Francisco were just unbelievable every year. And it was like, okay, well, who are you going to bet on? Well, it's hard to bet on one because they got to get past the other one. Now, you could just say, listen, I'm going to bet on the Chiefs because I think they're a smidge better than Buffalo and they're way better than everybody else. But the smart play is probably to take somebody you really like out of the NFC and figure, look, they got an easier path, and if they get there, they've only got to beat one of these teams. You know, and injuries play into all that as well. But it's, it's really um, – it's, it's interesting. I always love looking at these lines early on. That and when the win totals come out, I always think it's fascinating.
2: Can I, can I follow up with you for a second on, on Dallas? Because no. I, I think we're in a little bit of disagreement okay. there. Um, yes, the Cowboys are always going to be pushed a little bit higher than where they normally should be because of the public interest in them. Um, you know, interestingly enough, they rewarded the public – throughout the entirety of the season, the two most public teams in the NFL are the green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Those are the top two teams in covering the spread in, in 2021. But if we're talking about, you know, a team that has the the backbone pieces, I think to at least be in contention, right? You have the quarterback, uh, you have very good wide receivers. You bring in a really smart offensive coordinator. Who's coming back. The defensive coordinator that turned that defense around is back. And Dan Quinn as well. Um, a guy that could have been in contention for defensive player of the year in Micah Parsons is back. And, yes, they still have plenty of flaws, but but what team in the NFC doesn't? Green Bay likely doesn't have Aaron Rodgers back next year. They're starting off with Jordan Love. You know, the 49ers
1: Ooh, have a very – He's going back, but go ahead.
2: The, the 49 you, – you think Rodgers is for sure going to remain I Green do, Bay? I do, I do. Okay, so then maybe you think that there would be value on taking Green Bay at 20-1. to Yes. Over a team oh, – okay, so – Keeping that in mind, that's that's certainly one way to go. But then the two teams that are ahead of Dallas are the Rams that are going to lose their starting left tackle, that won't have Odell Beckham Jr., assuming he's able to come back for a substantial period of time. Wide receivers, after having that type of monster year, don't typically repeat it the following season. Um, and then we don't even know what the the future looks like with, with Sean McVay. There's rumors that he might retire. Aaron Donald might even retire. So that's a possibility as well. And then the 49ers are going to be going to a second year quarterback that started one game next year. Like, if we're actually talking about from a continuity and talent standpoint, yeah, they have free agents, but I, I still think a lot of the pieces fit in Dallas for them to be in contention, especially in a bad division and in a conference that is going to be seeing a lot of movement at the top. Like, I, I think 18 01 is actually fairly reasonable. For a Dallas team, that if they bring the right guys back, could still be the most talented team in the NFC next year.
1: Sean McVay is considering retirement. I'm, i I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing the post right now. There's that that you know maybe you'd go he'd you'd go into the broadcast booth and I mean Amazon coming in and Al Michaels getting 11 million dollars at 78 years of age to go, perhaps uh, do Thursday Night Football for him. I I guess that's a. Uh, uh, an interesting play, but that's just surprising to me. You're 36 years old. Yeah,
2: I the, the article came from, I believe it was Schefter, um, regarding how McVeigh is getting married this offseason, wants well, to have a family. Understand, family, understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, he, he spoke about sort of those desires for understanding like that those are aspects of his life that he wants to be able to make sure he focuses in on and knowing what we know about the coaching profession and what he's had to do over the last several years and everything he's had to do to work to this point, he realizes that family time isn't going to come with the demands of the position. So he may not retire tomorrow. He may not retire this year, but it's definitely a conversation that he has brought up on his own to the media, and now that he has a Super Bowl under his belt, I, I think it's more conceivable than not. By, by the way, um,
3: a few things. So going down now to Alabama for the Senior Bowl before I went to the Super Bowl, there are a couple of things that you keep hearing around the league, and look, it, it's what you hear. It doesn't mean it's always going to happen, but it is, it's just it's the chatter within league circles, one of which is that if Rogers does get dealt, the Denver is just a massive front-runner for him. Now it doesn't mean it couldn't happen, but they, that that's real, right? Now that's not a big shock. It's not that's not a, a big breaking bit of news, but it's just something to keep in mind. If they do trade him, Denver is is clearing away the team the most people think he'll go to. Number two, everybody thinks the Steelers love Malik Willis out of Liberty, and that they're far more likely to go rookie than veteran at quarterback. We'll see. Uh, that stuff also can, kind of has to fall your way too. You know, you can love them all you want, but if you can't draft them, well, it doesn't really matter, right? But a lot of talk about that number three there is speculation that the eagles really want to make a trade for one of these big-time veteran quarterbacks whether it is russell wilson or deshaun watson there's a lot of talk about that now again you've got to be able to do it watson's no trade clause wilson would have to kind of tacitly approve um but there's a, a lot of smoke around that i did some digging on that couldn't get confirmation on that from a couple of, of, of league sources but that is kind of the, the chatter. Is it the Eagles? If they could, they have three first-round picks, right? Like, would they would they do it for Watson? Would they do it for Wilson? Um, there's there's talk about that. So that's two things to watch. One thing I will throw out there. I will throw out. Um, I would not be shocked if Roger says, "I want to go back to Green Bay. I want to stay in Green Bay because I think it's the best place for me." And I would not be surprised. The Packers say we think that's great, but we're going to trade you anyway.
1: No way. Okay, Okay, if you get that, if that happens, I'll be stunned. I mean, Green Bay keeps on saying like they they've repaired the relationship and everything. You think that's all BS?
3: I would not be surprised if that's to drive up value. I and it drive even further. Look, if you said, let me be very clear about this. If you said to me, if he wants to stay, do I? Think he goes back to the Packers? The answer is yes. Do I think it's ironclad? No, I don't. I think the Packers would be open to trading him if they got bowled over by an offer. And I'm not talking like five first round picks. I mean, like, like let's just say, let's just say the Broncos go to them and say we will give you two. The, you know, the Broncos have five top 100 picks this year. Five of them: one first, two seconds, two thirds. Let's say Denver says, we'll give you a first this year, both of our seconds, next year's first, and Jerry Judy. If you're the Packers and you think Jordan Love is even 70% of Rodgers and with upside, I mean, you've got to consider that. They have a cap crunch. He's 39. His value is never going to be higher. He's a great player, but he's also a pain in the ass at times. It's so call it what it is if you're the Packers, would you say, look, we can still build a really good team around love and we have a effing ton of draft ammo now, right? Like with a quarterback on a rookie deal. I'm not saying I think it's likely that that happens, but I think it's absolutely in the, in play where last year, Carm, you and I were in lockstep. We didn't think he was going to get traded. We bolted that all year long. He didn't get dealt. I think this year there's a real chance that the Packers go, you know what, man, you've been great. We couldn't build a better roster around you the last two years, and we couldn't even get to the Super Bowl. We won one playoff game in three home playoff games. I'm not saying that's all on him, but it's somewhat on him. And I could definitely see them saying the value is never going to be higher on a 39-year-old quarterback who's been wishy-washy about wanting to be here. And if we can get a bunch of top 100 picks over the next two years, some cap relief, let love play, bring in another weapon for him. I could see them doing it. I definitely could.
1: I could see Aaron being Aaron and doing something slightly bizarre and saying like, thanks, but no thanks. I appreciate that our relationship's gotten a lot better and I'm now good friends with Brian Goodenkunst and Matt LaFleur. I love you. And I don't even care that we've had a zillion changes on the staff and, uh, Luke Getz, he's now the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. I, uh, I, I just want something different in my life. I want to go. I want to go be Peyton Manning and, and live out my the rest of my career in Denver. I could see that the Packers having the balls to actually trade Rodgers right now, even for the package you laid out. I would be absolutely, positively stunned. Um, and I, you know, they've done everything they possibly can to, to rewind it back and get the relationship where they. Where it needs to be uh, for him to want to play there, so I I, I just be I'd be stunned. I, hey Ben, I know you got to get going. Anything you want to get out here before you get a run?
2: Yeah, t- two quick things. Just one one to follow up on this. I mean, you have somebody in Rogers who, despite wanting to give off the impression that he cares about Green Bay and cares about the fans and wants everybody to like him. I think he's kind of moved away from that over the course of this year and giving off his, his various opinions on McAfee show and elsewhere and being more outspoken in the process, even if he's not necessarily correct on it. I, I don't think he would present a situation where Green Bay is trying to do everything they can to bring him back and for him to just say, no, screw you. I don't want to be here. I, I think he cares about his legacy in Green Bay too much. And I think that is something that could come into play. I'm not saying like I I think your logic, Verteram, makes a ton of sense, especially if Green Bay is trying to take whatever they possibly can from a value perspective and bring him back. Um, You know, I 20 to one for Aaron Rodgers still on the team. Like if you believe he's coming back, that's a good value bet on the board right now. I I I agree with you, and and I agree with with Carm on that play. Couple other teams. I just want to throw this out for you guys. Curious to, to think if you think that there's value here. Um, New England at thirty to one. We had had conversations about this team up until you know week fourteen, week fifteen of the season that they might be the top team in the AFC. Now their defense let them down a little bit, but still finished second in points allowed. Still were a very good overall unit. We talk about how quarterbacks take that big jump from year one to year two even though McDaniels isn't the offensive coordinator anymore, it's still going to be likely the same offense that Mac Jones runs in new England. I think they're going to find some better receivers for him as well. It can't be Jacoby Myers leading the way with only two touchdowns. Like they're, they're going to address that position. It's still a very difficult AFC, but I think there's value at 30 to one for new England. And then you brought up the Steelers It's 75 to one. There's talent on that team. They, they need to find a quarterback. And if they do, they need to figure out a way to improve the offensive line. But from a defense, you still have TJ Watt. You still have a very good front four. Uh, corners are getting a little bit older. But 75-1, to one, yeah. if you get a serviceable quarterback, like this is purely based on the hypothetical that they bring in a quarterback via trade, not necessarily with Malik Willis running the show. But if you believe that Pittsburgh believes that they're still in win-now mode, and they get a veteran quarterback like a, like a Garoppolo, and they make some changes to the offensive line, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in his entire career in Pittsburgh. and a couple 500 years. But 75-1 to 1 feels like a screaming value play if Pittsburgh believes that they can be in contention next year. Curious what you guys think. Ben,
1: great stuff. It's 11.56. You want to leave at 11.55, but do you want to hear the Ram's response to what you just said? I- yes,
2: I do. I,
3: I would bet the Steelers way before I bet the Pats. And it's based solely off the idea that the Steelers get a veteran quarterback. And I don't think they will, but if they do, 75 to one's incredible. Tomlin's a great coach. That team making the playoffs this year, I, he would have been my coach of the year. That team sucked yeah. this year. I mean, Roethlisberger has no talent whatsoever left in his body. And they, they won nine games. It's impossible. Um, I, I just don't believe in the because and Jones. I don't. And I think I think for them – it would have to be something where Allen got hurt and they win the division, because if they don't win that division, like to me in the AFC, you don't win the division, you're going through Buffalo and Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl, like you're not doing that. I whereas I could I could see like if Pittsburgh swung a trade for Russell Wilson, they could win that division. And then you're going to Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Like that right. I, I would do that before I did New England.
1: I, I just find it amazing and I, and I'm with you by the way I agree with Verram uh that you would rather pick Pittsburgh with no quarterback and me as well than New England with Mac Jones who Only by the guys. way did right right I get it Mac Jones by the way did go to the Pro Bowl this year for whatever crazy. that's worth I mean he he did Pro uh, and I understand. I understand. I get it. Always
2: always comes back to Mitch. Everyone wonders why Mitch Trubisky is always randomly trending on Twitter. It's because of that one Pro Bowl appearance and his Nickelodeon <laughs> MVP, and all of a sudden he gets back in the timeline and everyone's wondering why the it's hell exactly, it's because of this.
1: It, the, the way that Mitch was able to impact the success of Josh Allen this year was huge. <laughs> he really, he provided a calm on that bench that Allen had not had prior and no one's talking about that and it's bullshit. Ben, good to see you. See you uh, next week. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel, and uh, great stuff as always, brother. Managing editor, Beth good friend. to see
2: you, Thanks, Take it
1: easy, Ram, Time to say goodbye, buddy. Uh, good. I I I think that I, I love your your. Uh, apparently, you were having a great time out of the Super Bowl, but you were screaming in an Uber about the traffic. Am I here? am I, is, that, is my look, visual look. about correct? The next
3: person who tells me, I can't. You know, I just I just want to move to LA. Look. Unless you're an, uh, an aspiring Hollywood star or starlet, save your breath. Okay? Los Angeles, the weather's amazing. It's 85 every day and sunny when we were out there and there wasn't a hint of humidity. I loved it. But that traffic is so bad. Like living out there, you, you, there's a special place in heaven for anyone else to commute. I can't even imagine what that is. I mean, we're literally talking about you getting an Uber and the guy goes, hey man, nine miles, an hour and twenty minutes. It, it, that happened multiple times. Like
1: you get What was the price on that?
3: 70, 80 bucks. Right. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Minute is gonna love that that Uber bill and they get it. It's gonna be like I think literally it's gonna be something like six hundred dollars. Just for a the Uber, I don't know, seven times, eight times. It's insane. It is. I went out to Thousand Oaks for a project that, by the way, I am very excited about that. We're going to be launching, everybody, well, a feature, really, not a project as much a feature. It's going to be coming out like the day before the combine. Um, I was embedded for the better part of two days with two very high draft picks. Guys who might go top three, guys who certainly will go top five. And went out to Thousand Oaks for it. We left at 6 a.m., 6 a.m., and it, we were in traffic the entire way. It's just impossible. Like, I don't know how that's even possible. 6 a.m. Then I went to um, – I guess I shouldn't say where I went. Um, I went to an undisclosed location in Los Angeles. The second part of this feature, can't, I, I, I know, I, I can't say. Um, and it was a couple miles away. 50 minutes. On a Saturday. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, I mean, look, weather's great. People are friendly. I will say one thing, too. And this also was true when I was out in San Francisco in the summer. My God, there's a homelessness problem out there that California's got to tackle. I mean, you feel for these people who you – know, there's like ten cities. And, and And I'm not – I don't want to come off like I'm criticizing the homes. I, mean, I, I feel for them. Like, there's got to be a solution to this. There's got to be some kind of a, a way to help some of these people get back up on their feet. But L.A. on the whole, in terms of putting together the Super Bowl, I thought, you know, I mean, like, the traffic, what are you going to do? Like, they did a great job. I'm not complaining. Um, but to live out there, like, I, don't, I can't imagine waking up and being like, hey, my office is five miles away. I'm going to leave an hour and a half before work just so I can make it there five minutes late. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, hey, people love the West Coast, baby. And i you probably were at least a little bit impacted by the fact that it was the Super Bowl. Probably not always that bad, but, uh, um, yeah, there good you, battling, buddy. It, yeah, yeah I, no, I, I – I, 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 well, there's part of me that just would love that Cali weather and just the Cali lifestyle. And saw so, well, your and friend
3: lo- Kayla Kinnearum at Radio Row. I, I
1: I I she sent me a picture of, of the three of you. So you said, to said,
3: take that picture to send to you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I I missed myself. Some Kayla it would have been a great, t- great time. I'm planning on going out there at some point here, so I'll I'll report back to you on if I had the same experience. But uh, yeah, hey. So this was um, I was supposed to uh, have a couple. Uh, dudes uh, hanging out for the super bowl but everybody bailed so for me verdoram on super bowl sunday i went at four o'clock down the street for one of the most intense massages i've ever had in my life leo brought it He ripped apart my hamstrings i've never uh i, I mean i was literally sc- i'm not kidding i was yelling out in pain i, I i'm not I, I'm like, oh! i like, my, my my arms were moving around. Like he, I, I, I he, he asked me before, and he's like, "Do you want what kind? Of, like, do you want the pain or do you want to relax?" I'm like, "Give me the pain." And like, he didn't stop when I stopped. Started screaming, like just, just kept like a uh, deep in my neck. I mean, is there oh, a reason I, you
3: wanted a painful massage? Like, is that just the person? I just person? feel like
1: I, I mean, I'm so tight, and I don't do what's necessary. And I, I had played two intense single matches uh on Saturday and then Sunday morning and I couldn't walk. Like I was I was basically uh was say, you know, so how
3: did you feel afterward?
1: So and so then I mean I get up from the table I'm like I don't know if I can walk. Like my hamstrings were just uh, I just started pounding water and now I've got nowhere to go. It's the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out in the south loop of Chicago. I'm like, what am I going to do? So, so I, just, I just plopped down at the, at, the, at the local Giordano's, which is a pizza place, and just pounded water, had a beer or two, ate a pizza by myself for the first half, and then walked back across the street. And, and, uh, and, and that was my Super Bowl. Oh, okay. watched, watched, watched halftime uh, you know, back at the crib. But that was Super Bowl Sunday for me, buddy. Massage. Giordano's and Leo.
3: I've never gotten a massage, but I've, I've, I've always thought like if I did, it, it would, it would go something like that. Just a lot of pain. I, screaming.
1: a lot, a lot, lot of, I could have, I could have asked for the, you know, the relaxing Swedish experience. And I'm, I'm sure Leo could have delivered that, but you said you wanted, you wanted the full force and, 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 and you got and it. I got it. And I, I, I literally did think they like, Hey, when I start yelling, that means you need to back off. No, 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 no. 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 What's it going to happen. Uh, so, all right. And, and, uh, Gonzo, this was a PG, uh, PG massage. There was no, uh, extracurricular activities. This was a, this is a professional establishment. Damn it. All right. Hey, congrats to the Rams. It was a ton of fun this season. Looking forward yes. to the off season. Uh, I, Congrats on your travels, being out there at the Super Bowl and going to the Mobile. All that's awesome. You're going it's, to the Combine
3: uh, like, two weeks.
1: Combine in two weeks. Where is the that's Combine? Right. I should know. The, Indy. Indy? Indy. Always oh, in Indy? Okay. Indy. All right. I, I can't wait to see your tweets about so-and-so just ran a 4.63. You won't uh, see I'll one f- of
3: them. I'll be okay. at the JW Marriott bar. going uh, <laughs> up, getting whatever news I can on free agency.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe I'll come down and see Verram can, can I can I come down and get a steak at uh what's that Saint Elmo's? Yeah, Saint
3: Elmo's, prime 47. We can get a we get a burger at Ram which is the most underrated place there. Is there uh yeah, we'll do
1: it. Okay, okay. I'm going to keep that as a as a, at least a 3% possibility. Thanks for watching Stack in the Box. Uh are you two people out there if you haven't hit that subscribe button please do. And uh yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday noon Eastern 11 Central. Thanks for watching. Verram, good to be with you, brother.
3: You as well,
1: Carl. See you guys.